Hello and welcome to another episode of the uh, Bigger Show podcast. I'm joined today by Jacob Van Olst and uh, Janet. <laughs> what was it? Janet. It's Janet. Yeah. You can yeah. say it, Janet. My yeah. geometry yeah. teacher used to say it that way. Yeah, it'll probably go the other way. Yeah. Either way, it's Janet. And um, well, uh, hello, guys. Hi. What up? Yeah, awesome. So, um, well, we're talking about Princess Mononoke today. And um, yeah, maybe we'll we'll delve into a whole lot of stuff there, but we'll start from the beginning, at the very beginning. Uh, so what did you guys like about the movie? And uh, we both, all of us saw it. I saw it recently, to be honest. I hadn't watched the thing. It, it was the first time watching it. And um, yeah. It was both let's... your first times watching it, right? Yeah, that is yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah. So this was this was my um, third time watching it. <laughs> I haven't watched it that much, but I rewatched it when you guys were because I was like, "Well, I'll just refresh my memory." Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because we'd be fresh with the the thing watching right now, and you might not be. Yeah, true. And uh, well, it it certainly was not what I expected. Well, I, um, what did you expect? Now I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the title, uh, Princess Mononoke. Now, I thought it would be a movie about a princess and a guy who comes in and maybe in the uh, Snow White kind of setup, the guy comes in, sort of rescues her kind of deal, and and he hops off with her or something like that, something similar to that. I did not expect a bloodstained princess, a boar god, and a guy with demons inside of his body running through. That is not what I had in mind, but yeah, it it was it was fascinating though, nonetheless, and um, yeah. What did you think? What did you make of it, Jacob? I think I liked it more than Nasca, the Valley of the Winds. Right. So if you're gonna do comparisons, I'd really like to check that out as well. But yeah, go. On. I, I haven't seen that. But Sorry, yeah. that's the Valley of the Wind. I should probably say it. that's the full title. But uh, yeah, it definitely intrigued me that there was more to it than just the environmental philosophy. There was more variables. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause, you want to get out of it? Because in Nasica, the Valley of the Wind, you basically have the environment you anger the environment the environment gets angry back basically yeah yeah and then um i, I won't spoil it because you haven't watched it yet yeah i think but, you should uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But princess mononoke has this boar that is a god of the forest that is god of a forest among other gods of the forest or kami right yeah. kami boars yeah they're like a pack and he becomes a negative oni becomes an oni right or a demon um or is it an oni or is it you, I, watched, not... the, did you watch the japanese or i watched it in japanese but I'm not terribly familiar with the language as I ought to be, considering the fact that I only pretty much watch it in I guess I should so. admit that I watched it in dub all three times. Get it! It's just, it's just classic that way. And I have, uh, I, I own it, but not in Japanese. And I was watched, every time I watched it with English-speaking people that aren't interested in Japanese, okay? 
I that found the sense. dub, I couldn't get into it. So I, I went into the sub again. Yeah, I've heard the dubs are good, but... And sub... I'm a huge dub fan, but I couldn't get into the dub for some reason. You watched it, it in, in, um, in dub? For me? Yeah. No, I didn't. I tried to. I tried to initially, but Ashtaka's voice didn't... Mm. So I thought, nah, I'll just watch this up again. And I watched this up. And I liked it. <laughs> but I like, no, I couldn't. I like yeah. Ashtaka's dub, I'll admit. I don't yeah. understand why... Uh, what's her name? Boshi? I don't oh, yeah. understand why she has... The, she's the only one with an accent, but... I mean, it, was, it suited her, but I was just like, why not give all the accents <laughs> or everyone that's from where she is? Because she's the only one. It didn't make any sense to me. But that's how it is with English dubs. They just give people accents because they want to give accents. Random accents because they want? Yeah, yeah. Because I guess <laughs> yeah. the older ones would have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so here's the, here's the thing I wanted to ask. Um, I, I don't know if we, if we should delve into it right now, but um, uh, as far as I understood that, there was this thing called a Tatari. Or, or a curse that seems to seem to be on the yeah. on, on the um, boar god, right? So, so the boar god is something like a, um, well, yeah, I guess a kami in in some sense, and um, mm. is now possessed by, or, or, or is it is possessed the right word? I don't know. There's a tatari or, or a curse. That, like possessed. I would say it's more like corrupted. Yeah, so that was the way Miyazaki structured that. Right, was um, kind of like. The Chinese black magic. Oh, go on. Yeah, oh, I was really, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching a video on it because I wanted to prepare for the video for the podcast, right? Cool. Which I'm still kind of disappointed in myself for not writing seven to ten pages of notes. For shame, me. For shame. Uh, and he was on these Chinese magicians would conjure. But uh, basically, boil all these poisonous animals and insects. Oh and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. That's the tatari, right? I think I think that's the thing. Oh, oh, yeah, and it would come out. When it come out as a, a something like a black worm or a snake. Oh, you yeah. steal all the, the black worms. The thing that 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 holds on to his hand. Yeah, the snake it kind of seen later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very interesting. I found that yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's another way I think how connected Japan and China are too in their mythologies and legends. Yeah, yeah, and um, there was something else too that connected them, right? The um, the, the the wolf, which became uh, kind of like a, a, a two fox, a uh, two-tailed fox kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's that's uh, reminiscent. That's somehow connected to Chinese mythology, is it? Uh, is, I don't um, know. I, I think it's kind of both. Somewhere? I'm not sure where the Kitsune started, because bringing up Sonic so again. Every, every um, basically every culture has their own version of Kitsune or yeah. fox spirits and all that kind of stuff. Even Native American mythology. Mm. Um, and it's different, but usually in the Eastern mythologies, the legend behind the Kitsune is generally the same where it's usually a shapeshifter multiple tales um but in the end it just really depends on who's telling the story yeah i've often heard it in the same breath as the tanuki which is kind of funny to me 
but i mean in, in princess mononoke though uh they aren't kitsune there's no foxes in in no. uh princess mononoke they're okami no, yeah, or yeah. The wolf. yeah yeah and okami have a different like they have a different symbolism or flesh reverie within japanese culture than chinese culture necessarily like kind of the same thing as foxes where it's marginally different but also generally the same yes yeah are they considered messengers or something because um messengers of the gods or something similar to that because i seem to have read that um they they are they are the messengers of the gods these um wolves yeah wolves and deer wolves and deer right yeah yeah i can see the deer being huh. uh, yeah all right so here's the thing we've got we've got a um a princess uh and um well we're princess and we've got ashtaka and uh we've got lady eboshi do we have any negative characters here is 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 there a person that we can call a villain here or is it is that uh not the case because i don't seem to uh well doesn't seem to me that to be the case that there is a quote unquote villain or a hero it um it's all meshed if you will right so yeah i'd like to hear your guys thoughts on that on the um on on the hero villain distinction in in princess mononoke and maybe in uh, miyazaki's work in general is that because uh, it doesn't seem to me that he mm-hmm. draws the distinction there clearly i don't know if jacob wants to talk first or not <laughs> You go ahead. I, I think you you're most familiar with Shintoism and this kind of uh, um, okay. So um, the interesting thing with Miyazaki's work in general is that usually he doesn't have a, a like specific villain. He doesn't have a specific antagonist. Or even if he does, then even those antagonists have depth or they have their own motivations. Um, like even some would say that the real villain is uh jiko i think that's his name yeah the guy Uh, the The guy guy on the really long um the red nose guy the the japanese sandals yeah yeah i always forget what they're called um but he i mean he he has done a lot of questionable things but at the end of the day you realize that he still has his own mindset and his own goals and at the end he's still willing to relinquish those when there's no other choice yeah but still like every character has their own motivations and even um princess mononoke san she could also be seen as a villain even though in her eyes she's the one on the right and then in uboshi's eyes she's the one on the right um and I think that's that's why it's so important that Ashitaka exists. He's my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, he is uh, in the movie or, or, or Miyazaki's work as a whole. Um, no, my favorite character in Miyazaki's work as a whole would probably be um, Kiki from Kiki's oh, really? Delivery. Yeah, delivery service. All right, we'll uh, stick to this one. And uh, yeah. why do you think? Uh, why, because, why do you think Ashitaka is is the uh, best character in the? Uh, uh, in the whole plot, uh, Ashitaka 
is just such a good character. Mostly because, um, is is he? Does he act like kind of the connecting force between a dualistic nature? Do you think, or a, or like I a dividing I factor think. between the two? I don't know because when 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 I kind of when I like a, a character in, in a plot, I don't usually think of the uh, dualistic nature. More, it's probably uh, a kind of a, a feeling inside of me that that tells me it. Yeah, I like the actor. So so I wonder if that was the motivation because you you kind of just like the guy, or do you have some no. strong um, reasons as to why? Well, now I just have to finish the question. Do you do you like Ashitaka? Me, not exactly. That's why. <laughs> that's why I really wanted to know why oh you like him because yeah. because I find him. Well, I'm just gonna be blunt. I find him boring and extremely dull. So, hmm, I I find him fascinating in, in conjunction yeah, with. Yeah, I was, I was I was going a bit hard. I'm not finding him. I don't find him extremely dull, but I don't. Yeah, he doesn't. From the Christian perspective, it just seems so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcast over. Time to go home. <laughs> I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Tell me, what's the thing about Ashtaka that fascinated you? Got your fancy? I think that, well, you know, I don't want to be like tooting my own horn or anything. I think that Ashtaka is the most like how I would handle the situation. Oh yeah, yeah, because you'd want to go for reconciliation. That's uh, that's I guess part of the uh, thing. Um. Reconciliation, I guess, and also just Ashitaka is able to see that neither side is in the right, but also neither side is in the wrong. He's able to see that, like, Iboshi has her um, reasons for doing things and also the good parts of her nature. And he also sees that in Jigo and and Princess Mononoke. I mean, obviously, he starts developing romantic feelings for Princess Mononoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should call her fan. Um, but overall, he's able to see everything almost objectively, but still with an emotion. So it's not completely objective because because you can see every time that his his arm is like acting out, you can see how much like. He he wants to lash out and he wants to he wants to like hurt people but not kill people but still is that little fester of um, hate in him that makes him want to act on it but he knows that he shouldn't yeah and so uh, and so I just like honor his character because I mean. In that kind of situation, I think most people would be, it would be easy for them to succumb to hate or to really feeling that power. I I think any other character in the story, if they were infected with the, um, with the demon corruption, then I think that they yeah. would have fallen far faster and far easier to being consumed and becoming a demon. Um, Cause I mean, we see with all the other characters and the, with the Kami, they're portrayed as gods and portrayed as, um, you know, 
they're they're gods and so yeah. seeing them yeah. get corrupted by this evil and and this hate it makes you wonder like ashitaka must have a little bit more oomph in him his humanity is still there whereas like these gods who think that they're better than humans are more easily corrupted right yeah does that make sense and then also yeah. my favorite scene is when um san goes to assassinate uboshi and then uboshi uboshi and um and then you know there's a scuffle and then they have a fight and then ashitaka comes in between them and um he's trying to control his own hate simultaneously while he's trying to pull these people apart and then when he goes and picks up san and then walks out and then gets shot anyways but keeps walking you can't tell me that that's not a powerful scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough reasons uh yeah, so here's uh, well uh um to me ashtaka uh well for all that he does he he doesn't strike me as a as as a hero now don't get me wrong i'm not saying he's bad i was just you know pulling a leg but um the uh ashtaka's character to me uh well he 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 gets the tatari on him he gets the curse on him and um and after that he moves along and to be honest he doesn't seem all that perturbed by the thing that's 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 that 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 really ought to be you know uh, infiltrating him way more now i guess you mentioned the fact that he's able to well uh, kind of resist that i know how much of that is because of his inability and how much of that is just uh, well the, the movie plot needs him not to be uh, not to act that crazy but either way the guy then moves on and all he seems to do in the entire story is to say that oh please don't hate please don't hate please don't hate no don't hate me i'm just saying that he <laughs> he, he keeps on saying you guys don't hate each other and and i and i get why he why 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 he has a motivation but dude have have something inside of you have a have some at least some kind of a character inside of you because uh he seems very placid very uh, should i put it he doesn't seem to have uh kind of a flavor to him that will make him uh, a more likable hero type character now i am uh, referring to heroes in uh i guess uh, the western ideal of a hero and not our own which is uh, which <laughs> which does tend to attack but um uh the i i don't find a huge redemptive arc here i don't find uh well he seems to resolve conflicts but i don't find him going through a huge conflict resolution and then having a redemptive arc and then coming in uh, it it seems to me that the guy kind of well says no hate and uh, ends saying no hate so this is this is one of those things that's more of a i guess it's a storytelling sort of thing um where ashtaka is in literature and stuff He's a static character which means he doesn't change at all. Um Right. Yeah. I can think of one other static character. Around him sort of has to change or he has to help it change. Yeah. I guess you could also say like like Natsu in Fairy Tale is a static character. I, I would watched say Fairy that Luffy, Luffy is a um static character. I haven't watched One Piece. I haven't seen One Piece. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't seen either of those. I'm terrible. I only watch Bleach, guys. I'm, the, I'm, well, I'm only real. I only watch the real stuff. Only the real shonen for me. I don't. I haven't watched Bleach enough to know if Ichigo is a static character or not. Ichigo is not a static character whatsoever. He's awesome. He's fantastic. <laughs> he changes and, significantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People well, hate that um, arc. People despise that arc. I don't understand why. It makes me infuriated every time I see it. You're saying all this stuff and I don't understand. Now I understand why <laughs> well, you're like, I haven't seen that. <laughs> you need to watch it. It's so good. But uh, I can think of a few. I can think of at least one hero in history that is a set of character that does not change, does not have a redemptive arc, and can't can only really be considered a hero in the sense that he took on everyone's sins. That's Christ, right? <laughs> right. He doesn't yeah, have going to go there, but um, and 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 we will go there. But uh, just to <laughs> just to backtrack a bit on the yeah, uh, am I going too far too early? Yeah. I'm going too far too. You early. might be. Yeah, we're not going to Jesus right now. <laughs> we will go there. I mean, yeah, sure. But maybe at least they made the connection. <laughs> yeah, I was no, thinking. Just, uh, I was thinking that. So there's a lot of different definitions or different viewpoints of how to view a hero. Um, yeah. Like, I'm an English major now, so That's dope. Um, it's like in every one of my classes, people have a different version of what they consider a hero in literature. So like for um, for one of my creative writing classes, uh, my professor, he regarded every like protagonist, every main character as the hero, even if it's not really a heroic arc or anything like that. Death um, <laughs> or anything like epic, like Achilles. Yeah, or that's epic. That kind of thing. What's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and most of it was just like normal life, you know? Um, and your hero can technically be a villain in the sense that they aren't great. You just have to have a likable character, not necessarily a good character. Well, wait. Yeah. I mean, a good, a well-written character, but not a morally good character, as long as they're well-written and um, a hero of their own story. I see um, the motivation. But then other people are like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call uh, protagonist heroes because that means, you know, it has all these connotations with, with superheroes and." legendary heroes and like and even just morality right yeah and morality so i think it really just depends on the use of the word hero as opposed to maybe maybe but and i guess i guess i will (laughs) i will push back there because um here's here's my question uh that is a very that's relatively uh, new uh, in the way people think of heroes. But uh, we'll go back to the monomyth, and uh, a monomythic storyline is is usually a U-shaped storyline, right? So if if you got a monomyth, you you start with the uh, hero who's flawed probably, and yeah. and you go through the stages, and you well there's a redemptive arc, and then there's the the uh, U-shaped monomythic storyline that is almost. Uh, almost pervasive in all cultures you can take even indian cultures for example and you'd find and you'd find myths and legends that depict these people as as as, as being flawed and then going through the stage and then coming through so the uh, monomythic storyline seems to seems to pervade all all of literature at least all of uh, myths in in some sense 
and and the reason why I think that is the same reason why why Tolkien seems to think that's the case because it it evokes inside of us a uh, a, a secondary belief that 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 although that's not the way things are, that's not how heroes are in real life. That's 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 what I want to be. That's 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 the motivation. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I want life to be because I want I wanted to start in this particular way and then I want to go through the conflict resolution and then go through redemption and arrive at this utopia, if you will. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's not happening with with a lot of modern stories. I'm not I'm not dissing on Ashitaka all the time. Poor guy, mm-hmm. he's good. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, a uh, a modern take on what a hero is seems to me uh, to be lacking in uh, plain old human uh, uh, emotion, plain old human uh, desire to see something like that. To see to see uh, a guy start from being flawed and end up being great. You you. You, what, why are children's movies so amazingly simple uh, in the sense that why well, taking Chronicles of Narnia or, or The Lord of the Rings or all of those sorts of things even old fairy tales why are they so simple it seems to me that they all reflect this this monomythic storyline of you you starting at a particular position being flawed or being in some sense uh, not complete and, and you go through the uh, sages and, and you end at, end at the redemptive arc and, um, and, and to me mm-hmm. uh, that <laughs> That ought to be, in some sense, at least, uh, uh, the, at least make some part of a story. I'm not saying that all stories should follow the monomyth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they wouldn't. But, uh, well, um, to cut off that narrative as a whole and then take in a, a character and, and, and um, well, assume that he's a hero simply because he he's, uh, well, <laughs> not trying to be antagonistic, but I'm just saying if he's, uh, just because he's likable, I don't know, it, it, it seems... Uh, all right so yeah that's that's my take on why i'm I'm not a huge fan of ashtaka or for that matter stories that depict heroes is just static but yeah 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 static and i'm having not much of a change in that well let's pose the question then if you view princess mononoke as san is the hero and Ashitaka is the, I, I guess, Deuteragonist, which is the secondary character. Yeah, yeah. But we're um, seeing the story unfold through his eyes, but he's not the main character, or he's not the hero. That, that, that. that yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like you wanna, you wanna come in because yeah, I'd like to hear your views on that, and then I'll share my. I, I have a fun. Of... So, if you guys haven't figured this out i am currently studying the japanese language of course because yeah. yeah, you, you've I mentioned that a lot of it. Just, i think this once maybe twice maybe um, yeah. too many times but yeah go <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about like we haven't <laughs> mentioned like you haven't mentioned ashitaka <laughs> <laughs> so the name of the movie itself is princess mononoke which means which or mononoke hime which means Princess or daughter of a lord. That's Hime, means princess or daughter of a lord. Yeah. Mononoke, this is where it gets interesting. Mononoke is vengeful ghost or spirit. So Princess Mononoke or Mononoke Hime literally means daughter slash princess of the spirit of vengeance. So is she really the hero of the story if she's a daughter of negative energy? Well, in that sense, do you think that 
Princess Mononoke is in reference to San or Iboshi. Well, that's a good point. Maybe there's a little bit of both in them? I think it's both now. I, I used to think that it was just San, but now I'm thinking that it's maybe so it, podcast, it, it applies to both the both of them. But you know, to your and point, even, even the um the wolf. I forget her name. Let me look at my character uh, sheet. Moro. Yeah, Mar Maru, I think. Oh, more, yeah, Moro. Um, so, no, um, all right, so she's a daughter of a vengeful, of a vengeful spirit, the daughter of the spirit of vengeance. Which and, is uh, kind of explained further on in the movie, For so for those of you who haven't watched the movie, of course, we're going to spoil the heck out of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, um. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, why does movie... that preclude her from being a hero? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, I guess, uh, yeah, all right, she's a daughter of a vengeful spirit, uh, the spirit of vengeance, but, but why does that preclude her from being uh, the hero of the, of, the, of the movie? So she, um, that's the vengeance part is, the daughter part is kind of explained a little further in the film where the wolves, I forget which one, basically says, I saw all these people running away from I think the force and they abandoned their daughter to get away and escape and I took her in yeah and so yeah and raised her so yeah it, that kind of intrigued me a little bit because again oh, yeah, no no um here's my question though why does that preclude her from being the hero of the story because you mentioned we were talking about her being the hero and you and you mentioned that you know she was the uh, daughter of the spirit of vengeance and i wanted to know why why that would make her well not a fit candidate to be the hero because i think it does kind of make her <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find words to articulate that because not all vengeance is morally reprehensible uh, yeah but even if it is reprehensible I, I think that adds to it so you start off being a reprehensible character and then the <laughs> you you know and then yeah. she changes in uh, I think you like I think you like this idea here <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the monomyth. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, be, I'll be fair. But uh, even without the monomyth, uh, she does have a change, doesn't she? I, I, yeah, I, I am uh, inclined to, to dynamic characters, not passive static ones. So obviously I'm attracted more to Hime. And, and she, she does go through a change in which initially she hates uh, the crap out of almost everyone. And uh, at the end, uh, no, she's not that. She, she, she understands what's going on. She understands her role in the environment. She understands that, that there's a that there is a symbiotic relationship there between the um, Iron Town workers and the forest. And it's not just yay the forest, yay rural guys, or just yay um, progressive guys. But it's 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 a symbiosis. It's it's a mutual relationship. She understands that. So. Uh, to me, she kind of represents uh, the uh, heroic ideal in in some sense. So, so the heroic why... ideal is, in some sense, in this movie, it's kind of coming to a realization of overcoming the, the that... vengeance. 
even more than that the fact that uh well uh, nature and man have to be in a symbiotic relationship if if you are to survive there's no mm-hmm. there is no singular uh you can't just go in there and say uh, i love the forest and that's it and uh, i'm not going to use uh, i'm not going to allow anyone to slash and burn for for progressive uh needs nor is it well uh i need advancements so let's let's cut out the forest it's 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 a bit of both and to be able to understand that seems to me part of uh, the the um growing up in this in this movie part of the uh, realization that that mononoke he may go through so i guess her realization and subsequent change in her character uh well kind of uh, makes her uh, sort of like the hero the story to me you know and of course they mm-hmm. they do put she is uh, the title she is a titular character it's not it's not prince ashtaka it's princess mononoke <laughs> I mean um I mean it wouldn't be Prince Ashtaka it would be like um plain old Ashtaka Shitaka-san <laughs> Ashtaka-san yeah Ashtaka yeah, doesn't OG. ring yeah doesn't have a great ring to it but yeah doesn't work quite as well does it yeah good old Ashtaka-san <laughs> <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki's well, third movie. He is a prince. Yeah, right. He is the um uh, the tribes the Amishi tribes prince. Yeah. 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 He's like the last. Oh yeah, that's heir. right. I forgot that. That's yeah. so far in the beginning of the movie. It, it I never, keep forgetting okay. that. My one problem with the movie is that the beginning never comes back. <laughs> never, except yeah, for true. when they talk about the curse, the Tari. Yeah. The the old lady basically says, "Get out," and that's it. And And you never hear see. from the, the sister yeah. again. You never hear from the old people again. Yeah, that's that's sad. He that's, never goes yeah, back. So there's so not that like you. circular hero arc. He doesn't actually go back. She's just like get out of here. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. he's and, like he the curse. Can he go back? <laughs> yeah, I I've never really yeah, yeah. I I try to Well, where did I? Yeah, I read somewhere that he didn't need to because he now lives in the Iron Town and um he's now part of that or something. I, I don't know. Uh, I think that just seems like an excuse for not tying. Yeah, right. To yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. He it would have been better if he'd gone back and you know ended the U. I'm just gonna stay on the U. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> I I think it works with Miyazaki's environmental vision though, because. Huh. you have the iron workers right and then if he mm-hmm. and then the nature part you know that that something akin to that ending shot like one of those final scenes in the movie where they realized it's the same forest but it's not the same forest oh uh, yeah yeah the um yeah. the forest not forest kind of thing yeah because the gods are gone the kami's gone it's, it's mm-hmm. just nature red and tooth and claw is that is that is that i i think that's kind of what he might have been going for in the same vein as we think as ashitaka doesn't go backward doesn't go back home or quote mm-hmm. unquote home because he you found a elaborate that a bit because yeah i'd like to hear that because he found so. a new home with sun or princess man okay Yeah, but good old son goes into the forest with the wolf buddies. Uh, yeah, he and he lives in the iron workers. That's another. So why would he go back if he has the iron workers, the environmental? Because there's always this balance in his movies of nature and progress. 
He's always yeah. trying to say both don't have to be at odds, though they often are. And yeah, sometimes yeah. that sometimes that conflict is supposed to be there. Yeah, I think that that's reflective, though, of um, the industrialization and westernization of Japan. I mean, mm -hmm. Miyazaki was going through that at, with the nation. You know, he was exposed to that um, as Japan started becoming more industrialized. And um, and it, nowadays, it's kind of a lot more balanced between nature and, um, and city. Well, I mean, not in like the clusters and stuff. But um, I watched this amazing documentary. It's called. Um, Hold on, I want to type it. I had to. I think it's on Netflix. Earth's Enchanted Islands. Earth's Enchanted. There's three of them, and it does. Um, it's it does Honshu, Hokkaido, and the southernmost islands, and yeah. uh, highly recommend because one, it shows a beautiful version of Japan, mostly within the rural regions and all that, and it also really shows how nature and humans have just become symbiotic together. Like there's there's a scene with rice patties and. Um, the frogs have like helped regulate the, the pest control. Like they can just use the frogs. They don't need to use any pesticides or anything. Really? And then, um, and then nice. in Hokkaido, so you know the Japanese crane mm -hmm. um, nearly went ex extinct around um, earlier in the 1900s, I think, uh, or maybe later. But the Japanese crane almost went extinct in Hokkaido, specifically that's where it is. And um, they were all like dying out and everything. And then eventually uh, like their uh, estuaries and wherever they would breed, they were all going away and um, they didn't know what to do. So then they started like trying to help the cranes as much as they can. So in, in the Hokkaido documentary, it kind of shows that in the winter, all these cranes, they don't have anywhere to go and they're all like starving. So the people will just go out and feed them because they can't find food anymore because the humans destroyed where they could find food. So like in this way, there's, they're keeping the cranes alive just from the, the generosity of humans but simultaneously the trains are, the cranes were dying because of the greed of yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. So, that sounds a bit like Token's idea of industrialization a little bit too. Because mm -hmm. in Lord of the Rings, at the end of it, you have this really isn't shown much in the movies. It's my never-ending qualms <laughs> but uh, the extended edition or i'd have to re-watch them which is a good idea i want to watch the extended editions so that i but, can uh, but uh they go back to the shire and they see saruman is at work with his industrial 
colonization of the Shire. And mm -hmm. it's like an entire chapter of them trying to get a whole bunch of basically this little hobbit army and go and kick Saruman out. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's like, and it is interesting. That yeah. That's... Yeah. How do we reach it? All right. All right. It's industrialization for, for that matter. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess symbiosis is the um, which is again why I think uh, he may uh, is uh, uh, represents the heroic ideal because she changes and understands that symbiosis uh, is the way forward, not uh, isolationist ideas of, of either the mm -hmm. forest, either the, either nature or just progress. But yeah, um, coming to industrialization, uh, there's there's the uh, there's obviously a certain uh, we we might think of uh, uh, progress versus nature man versus nature and then there's sort of the luddite inference if you will uh with um with how san sees lady boshi and the uh, iron workers and lady boshi sees san mm -hmm. uh how much of a symbiosis do you think that that in the end there is because do you do you think that both of the parties realize that that, that we ought to work together do you think that that is that that, that is what uh, miyazaki's saying to uh, through the movie I'm, I'm not entirely sure I, I guess that's part of it and um if it is if if that's the only thing if if it's uh if it's a uh, sort of environmental message uh, to the audience uh do you um, how do you how do you view that in relation to modern environmental movies where you where i guess it's 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 more tilted towards the environmental side of things is Miyazaki's environmental philosophy better than Western environmental philosophy in movies? Is that is that are the you, case? Are you talking about the Lorax? Yeah, I'm talking about quite a lot of things now. <laughs> Fun thing yeah. about that one, I saw that in theaters. So, did you read the book? How dare you? <laughs> Look, I like Doctor Seuss and all, but meh. Oh, I like. <laughs> and yeah, I like them. Sam, I am. But I think, yeah, I think Western. I think Western movies about the environment. But, uh, and... Let me just qualify that statement, though. It's it's modern Western movies, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Although, if you've got really ancient Western, is there really a difference though? A lot of them kind of have almost the same themes and the same uh, um, sort of approach I, to it. They're very. I don't remember. Are there, are there earlier Western movies that depicted the environment in a in any way? I don't know. Well, I was just thinking the Lorax came out a long time ago, and then the new Lorax came out a long time ago. My only gauge is the Lorax, apparently. <laughs> I, yeah, but I'm sure that there's others. There, I'm sure there's others that I've seen. Because. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of movies where they talk about the environment a whole lot, where it's about um, uh, and, happy and, feet. Uh... <laughs> okay, I liked that one. That was cute. Like happy feet? I think it's an awful movie. <laughs> it's an awful movie, but it's also a cute movie. Yeah, we're talking about cutesy movies now. I I, I was going for a more, uh, I guess. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking of. Um... You need to pitch. You need to pitch some. Western movies that you're thinking about, then yeah, here's the thing because uh, almost every movie uh, seems to have an environmental message these days, so that's why that's why I'm, I'm finding it hard to you know, pin down one. 
But the idea is basically that um, uh, that mankind is destroying nature, that almost all of his inventions are, are detrimental to the environment, and that uh, in our goal to protect the environment, we might need to abandon our, our uh, comfortable homes or, mm -hmm. or comforts in some sense. At least that's think, the, that's the idea that I get from a lot of Western movies and um, and yeah. I guess Western environmental philosophy as a whole. So forget movies. Let's take Western environmental philosophy. So I can be as vague as I want to without being specific. Yay! Uh, taking Western environmental philosophy, it seems it seems to me from the outside that you guys and I'm putting both of you guys in the Western camp here, even though you yeah, can. Yeah, I'm putting both <laughs> of you guys there. It seems that there is a there is a huge push towards environmentalism and 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 a view that we ought to be going towards a more serene, uh, um, uh, harmonic type. Of, <laughs> yeah, not harmonic. We ought to be going to a more uh, older view, a more ancient view that um, that uh, these comforts are not that great. That we need to cut off a lot of these comforts that we have, and that we ought to be, well, uh, <laughs> effectively. Oh, sort of like sort of like a combination of minimalism and yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of emphasis on minimalism, a lot of emphasis on 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 cutting uh, emissions and uh, yeah. and and the uh, subsequent uh, well decrease in in the number of cars and all of that. So so there is there is a huge push certainly, but what's the difference there? How do you view that modern environmental Western philosophy and? Miyazaki's environmental philosophy uh, depicting through all of his movies, but especially Mononoke, since I haven't seen the others. You <laughs> haven't seen the others yet? He's seen uh -huh. Castle in the Sky. <laughs> yeah, just I have Grave with the Fireflies so, in my... Yeah, I've seen Castle in the Sky, but uh, I don't remember it uh, as much, because I watched it yeah, kind of a long time ago, so we won't go there. Sure. We'll stick to Mononoke. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we will stick to my, my okay. All right. So, what do you guys, what do you guys make of the distinction? Is there a distinction? Am I making it out of thin air, or is there really a distinction between Miyazaki's philosophy and Western philosophy of environmentalism? And do you think I, the West, you guys, <laughs> can learn something from Miyazaki? No, I don't think you're making a distinction out of thin air. I, I think it is there. Um, I think Miyazaki's environmental philosophy is more rooted in. Japanese culture and basically their religious history, well, quote unquote religious, because you know Shintoism, Buddhism don't really aren't religion. ideology. Yeah, we get. Yeah, it. The, we yeah. you guys yeah. get it. Mm -hmm. Listeners should get that at this point. And I think the push for minimalism over here is more geared towards humanism. Oh, I like that. I want you to elaborate on that a bit. The um, push towards minimalism is more geared towards humanism. Why do you think that is? What's and um, and how do you think that's different in the case of Miyazaki? Um, I think uh, Miyazaki yeah. pushes for a symbiosis, cool. whereas I think uh, Westerners, especially specifically those who push for like recycle more, which I think you should do, and yeah, yeah, those who you know less carbon emissions, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. <sighs> I think that's the general Western ideology, but I mean, also it's not exactly... It's more for personal benefit, I think. No, I, think I think it's more for personal um, solace as opposed yeah. to 
actually making that much of a difference, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's toted as making a difference, but yeah. difference yeah. for what? But Whereas I think Miyazaki actually solidifies the difference. You got There's cut off that. Environmental politics to get into, but it's that I think it's more about the, per like someone being personally like, I'm doing my part, um, despite the fact that their part isn't really that um, impactful in the grander scheme because uh, the ones that make the most emissions or all that kind of stuff is industries, specifically like the food, the food industry and the meat industry, like that's where all the emissions are coming from. But I think the philosophy with general public nowadays, there is kind of split in half because everything's split in half nowadays. But there are those people that, um, believe what you're kind of getting at where there are people that think that we can cut down on our emissions and um, plant trees and all that which is a good uh, place to go and then there are also those other people in the camp I think that this is the minority where they're like it's too late <laughs> we're just gonna yeah. keep going on right yeah 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 I ask that, uh, well, uh, there certainly are political issues there, but uh, but I wanted to get more to the uh, philosophical side of things, because um, there was this video by Weisscrack, and um, he takes in Princess Mononoke. Have you seen that? Uh, so his, I, I know his, the channel, and that yeah, it, it, it's, that it was kind of pretty humorous. good. But here's the thing. His take on Princess Mononoke uh, well angered me, and... Um, and <laughs> And that's why, and I'm gonna put out a video video on that because I wanna write something about it. But here's the thing: here's a distinction that he made, and I wanted to ask you guys the same thing. He talks about Western view of the world before uh, the uh, environmental push came in. Although even now, I guess he says that um, there's uh, Western materialism runs rampant through your culture, and and that it. it's it is it is rooted. And here's the thing: it's it's anthropocentric. Uh, meaning that it's, it's centered on humans, because of uh, the uh, the theology that the West lives on, which is Christian theology. So he says that Christian theology makes you anthropocentric, makes you uh, way more driven towards human the human side of things, while Shintoistic beliefs and Shintoistic metaphysic uh, is not anthropocentric. It's it's uh, it's more egalitarian. It's way more egalitarian. It's not it's not how can humans benefit off of this it's it's about uh well how can the whole, how can all of us move together and he's and he brings his divide and that's where he goes with his division so so the west because of its uh culture of the bible is anthropocentric while uh the east and specifically japan because of its shintoistic metaphysic is not anthropocentric is is way more communal is way more uh, symbiotic. At least it's not anthropocentric. And he says that that such a view, such a notion, is is in fact uh, well, met with disdain by a lot of the a lot of the Japanese because of their belief in Shintoism. Here's the distinction that he draw, and that's why I asked you guys about the environmental thing. So th the philosophy behind that is obviously that Christianity makes you anthropocentric. Christianity makes you think humans first, and that um, Shintoistic metaphysic, or, or maybe even uh, whatever other metaphysic 
that's uh, rooted in nature makes you think otherwise. What do you think of that? Because I certainly don't think that's the case. I, I can understand why you would be angered by that video. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, but uh, I wanted to take your thoughts on it before I, I went. Are you also uh, angered, Jacob? Uh, my anger would take a little bit of time to explain, but I'm willing to explain it. Oh, okay. So, okay, okay. You're like, I, I'm just trying to be the Ashitaka right now, you know? Oh, please don't be the Ashitaka. <laughs> I, I, under, be the I Ashitaka. understand. I don't I want no hate. <laughs> I understand why oh, he yeah. was infuriated by the video, because I'm not entirely sure you could call the Bible and Christian theology anthropocentric. No, it certainly isn't. It's not anthropocentric. I, I don't think I, so. Yeah, it is theocentric. So that's where I, yeah. I defer with him entirely. Yeah, but, God is for God. But he might have a point in the sense that the West has or might has might have become anthropocentric. So I'm not living in the West. I defer to you guys. I, on, I would agree that Western culture is anthropocentric, 100%. Because <laughs> even the advertisements and stuff, like you can have this, you can have this. Scotiabank's motto for crying out loud is you're richer than you think. For Pete's <laughs> sake. Come on. Is that were true? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So yeah, it, it, the Western culture as a whole is definitely anthropocentric, but theological Christian theology, no, not at all. Yeah, but Dina, do you want to add something to it? What do you think of the distinction? Is there a distinction? Oh, um, I was gonna say that. Um, I think it's very broad, and this is this tends to be a thing that a lot of, not a lot, not necessarily a lot, but what I've seen a lot of um, recently is that um, people tend to blame Christianity for certain things within Western culture when yeah. it's not really Christianity that imposed that ideology or pattern or practice necessarily so much as the culture that sprung up around it and the way the society molded not just around you know the idea of Christianity but the different versions that people created of Christianity like yeah. their own personal ones yeah yeah their own yeah. personal ideas of Christianity yeah yeah that, mm -hmm. that is that is true so let's let's leave the culture aside and let's take both philosophies a bit a bit controversial yes i know but we will go there mm -hmm. um we'll take shintoistic philosophy and we'll take christian philosophy and um there is a i'm gonna uh well here's a term that that will help i guess shintoistic metaphysics or shintoistic philosophy is rooted in uh, the equality of beings one might call it ontological egalitarianism uh, in that uh, the beings uh, all beings are equal and have equal worth and equal rights and it's and it's yeah equality seems to run through whereas in the christian philosophy it's it's not so entirely the case there is there is a hierarchy there is there is god and there is man and then there are beasts of the field so while we are not egalitarians in that sense we certainly do respect nature and animals but we're not we're not egalitarians at least not in those terms so 
how would you view the difference between a Christian view of nature and us as being stewards of creation and um, or an Eastern? Well, um, Eastern is way too broad, uh, so I'll stick to Shintoism and a Shintoistic view, at least that portrayed in, in Princess Mononoke. The view portrayed in Princess Mononoke, we'll stick to that, the philosophy of nature uh, portrayed in Princess Mononoke against the uh, philosophy of, of nature and man according to uh, a uh, Christian philosophical view. Uh, put both those two against each other and um, let's see. And I want to see what you guys think about that. Well, my thoughts are pretty simple. It's uh, what I just mentioned. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on that. On the egalitarianism. And uh, do you think that's a better approach? Obviously not. But do you think that that can be incorporated into, uh, into the uh, Christian view in some sense? The egalitarian or the um, Shinto? The egalitarian view. Oh, the okay, I was like... Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, the egalitarian view. <laughs> not, not advocating for Shinto Christianity right now. So, <laughs> we're going to go C.S. Lewis up here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so is, is, is there some uh, merit to that kind of view? I don't think there is. I think it's... I, I think there is a hierarchy. I think there is God, and then there is man, and then there is beast of the field. But, um, yeah, what do you guys think of the uh, distinction there? Is the distinction that I drew uh, sound based on exactly. Mononoke and, and Christianity? And if so, what do you guys make of the distinction? I think that distinction is present, yes. And I think scripture goes very far to make that distinction. In uh, Genesis 3, somewhere yeah, somewhere in Genesis 3, after the fall, God specifically says, cursed is the ground because of this. That's it. Right? Because of sin and death. For your sake, you shall toil. For this, you shall toil the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a distinction. In, Shint in Shintoistic environmental philosophy, I think I see more of a more of a hopeful symbiosis, whereas I think in Christian theology and our environmental philosophy, I think we see more of a yeah, we're supposed to steward the world and the earth and everything in it, but it's already cursed. I think we do have to keep that in account. Everything's going to be made new and restored in the new creations, the new heaven, and the new earth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. There's kind of like it matters, but and it matters and it matters. But at the same time, there's still a curse on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it means, though, to be a steward. Yeah. Or um, a lot of times, specifically in the Bible, they use um, shepherding specifically as a, kind of an allegory. Um, I mean, it, you know, you have the sheep and they get lost or you have the sheep and some of them die and some of them get diseased or um, or anything like that. Not to say that people are sheep, 
<laughs> um, People are sheep. <laughs> but just that, just Instead that, um, like, we're shepherds or stewards and, like, and stewarding, I'm thinking of it in terms of Skyrim for some reason. <laughs> but um, where you, you like, like giving a house. Yeah, I love Skyrim. But you're given a house and you have to, you know, make sure everything is all right with it. Or, I mean, technically you're the Thane and you just go off on your adventures and so you hire a steward and then that steward over oversees your house. Um, so, I mean, in that sense, you know, even even though we acknowledge that not everything is going to be perfect within the house, we're still going to take care of it as best as we can. Right. That yeah. Makes sense. yeah. Yeah. As best yeah. we can. Yes. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that I think that where you were almost headed with it, where it's like, oh, it's cursed. So I mean, it's not like no, it's 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 not can. like it's worthless <laughs> it's not like it's not a pointless thing no no yeah, i don't exactly. think that at all no I, yeah I think... yeah 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 stewarding the environment is not a pointless endeavor but it no. can certainly be stretched far beyond what we ought to be but yeah 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 mm -hmm. that's that's basically the distinction that i was trying to come at because i think there is a distinction there you, you can't you can't view a pig and a man as, as the same no. So so yeah. So I guess in the Christian view, there's there's a harmony. It's in interesting you bring that up because Miyazaki has a fascination with mm -hmm. pigs. Yeah, it certainly does. So, hmm. Yeah, but Lucky yeah, that's man. But yeah, yeah. So so that's that's one distinction that I that I thought would be yeah fun to talk about. So he, that's yeah, it's it's the egalitarianism there. But um, there's also the idea that before all of this, that there was this harmony. Mm -hmm. Right, so, so to, uh, I think it was the English dub. Yeah, yeah. Th this was the quote, and, and I'm just gonna read it because I like it. In ancient times, the land lay covered in forests, where from ages long past, I like the way that goes, dwelt the spirits of the gods. Back then, man and beast lived in harmony, but as time went by, most of the great forests were destroyed. Those that remained were guarded by gigantic beasts, who owed their allegiance to the great forest spirit. For those were the days of gods and demons. So, so I guess there is a there is a longing, right, towards this this age of harmony, towards this age where where all of them lived in together, and that certainly is not the case at the end of the movie, where it's like you mentioned, it's just nature, nature now. It's not it's not filled with kami. It's not it's not the Shishigami's forest. It's not. Uh, filled with gods and goddesses or demons for that matter it's just it's just nature red in tooth and claw mm -hmm. but there's also at the end a small kodama i think that's what they call it at the end which which i guess kind of uh refers to the fact that no maybe that isn't the case maybe uh maybe you know uh, life can still uh, i guess there might still be the presence of, of these kami there even though not as uh numerous as it was before yeah what do you guys make of that yeah. i think it's just a nod that um life goes on you know the magic continues but maybe not i mean the great spirit is gone and all of these gods have also fallen but the the new but like a new age is still or life goes on that's the simple term for it life goes on and something what does life something. have to go on is there a is there a 
a uh, uh, depressing tone to it. Man, life has to go on, even though all of these things have it, happened. It, it's kind of a bittersweet tone for... But I think that's kind of all over Miyazaki's works, is that bittersweetness. Yeah. And I, I find something akin to the Garden of Eden in the ending scene and the beginning scene and the mm -hmm. contrast because the beginning scene is like, hey, remember when everything was really good and cool and everything worked in a harmony? And then you have, yeah. oh, hey, look at this. We have something like a harmony, but it's not quite a harmony. Whereas the Christian has the hope of a perfect harmony again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's like a there's a sense of loss there, right? Yeah, we and still I have that. The loss specifically is just the result of consequence. Like there's consequences for their hate, for them, you know, going out to fight each other and everything. There's a consequence for that. And um, I wanted to touch on the theme of a hate specifically. We're talking about environmentalism which is a thing um where it's like human versus nature but i but i actually think that it's not really nature versus i mean human versus nature so much as ideal versus ideal or um i would say human versus human but the commies you know always say that they're not human but they do they display very human qualities and so it's almost like they are, it's, they're very, they're the same, but they just don't recognize it. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. If everybody has a comedy, that makes sense, though. Mm -hmm. so, so I think I that, guess, yeah. so I think that it's like about, it's about hate. Um, and how it like eats away. I mean, but, I mean, they keep saying it, it's very on the nose. But oh, yeah, um, yeah, Ashizaka always reminds us of it. Yes. Like you always reminds us of reminds us of it. But yeah, no, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh, I hate. Yes. Oh, you know, you know, is it just hate or is it an amalgam of greed and pride? Um. Well, isn't isn't hate a result of greed and pride though? I mean, I'm thinking in broad terms, almost uh, thinking about our political and social climate right now is um is that some sides are just some people are filled with so much pride in themselves that it become it festers to where they end up hating anyone else the other the outside of the group tribalistic mentality. yeah yeah well um a lot of people refer to it as the other like when you're when you're when you're ostracizing one specific stance or several stances that don't align with your own, then that's the other. And I think right, that that's yeah. where Iboshi she's she's coming from a place where she doesn't understand the gods, she doesn't know them or anything like that, and so so she outwardly hates them. Well, I don't think that her hate is as manifested, but she like doesn't understand them. She doesn't try to. She just wants to get rid of them so that she can forward her own agenda um, for her own people. And to help her people. Yeah. contrast that to San or San. And San, um, she doesn't understand humans. You know, she was raised by wolves. Um, and she only understands her 
her side of things. She doesn't want to try to understand the other side. I mean, but we see that change. But yeah. um, still, like, they're both in a in a place where they're so prideful that they're in the right, that their way is right, and um, and maybe you could also chalk it up to greed. Like, maybe it's not greed in the sense that they want money, but they definitely desire something. Yeah. 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 Um, let me see. Um, I have, I just looked this up because I kind of think it pertains to a lot of Miyazaki's works. Um, most Buddhists believe that the negative actions and beliefs of human beings, such as greed, anger, and ignorance, give rise to evil. So it's an inward thing that mm -hmm. creates the negativity. Jeff, you mean those those feelings make you evil, not that they are in and of itself, but, yes. but that yeah. that they grow inside of you and fester and and then make you an, an evil person. Is that, is that mm -hmm. how? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's here's the thing. Huh. Uh, assuming Shintoism and um, a uh, a sort of a watery moralism, because uh, yeah. As far as I've read it and understood it, it's not that there's no moral essentialism. You're not you're not looking at it from objectively good or bad lenses. That's not that's not how they view the mm. world, at least from what I've read. Uh, so I'm not gonna assume that I'm right here, but I'm gonna put yeah. this out there. Uh, with that view in mind, that um, that there is no essentialism, that that there's no objectively good or evil thing. It's just it's just a uh, uh, a, a sort of amalgam, if you will, of, of all of these things coming in. Uh, where do you see the evil in, in Mononoke Hime? Where is the evil and where is the good? But it, it is hard to figure those things out because it seems that that's not really how the philosophy works. That's not really how Miyazaki films portray them or that's not how Shintoism works because you don't have a good or evil. It's it's culturally relative. So what's 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 the um, what's the good here? What's the attainable goal here? Let's let's leave symbiosis aside. Let's leave that for a moment. Yes, we get it. Man versus nature. No, you gotta live in harmony. All right. But where's the good and where's the evil? I think that I think that the most important thing about Miyazaki's works specifically is that there's not really a defined big bad or no. um, angelic figure. I would say is that everyone is human even the kami are human in in soul um because yeah. they are capable of human emotions and um and everything like that and it's that uh how do i say this they both it's reach that, for the attainable and they both reach for the goal yeah without yeah. actually knowing it yeah, I, I think, think that the most important thing about having a story is that you have human characters. And I think that you can have, you can have like truly evil people because they do exist. But at the end of the day, usually that's not the case. And usually they do have a reason why they have, they feel that way or they have their own goals that conflict with the hero's goals or whatever. And so, uh, I mean, we can think about it in biblical terms or biblical stories is that 
can you really say that David was like good all the way through or um, even Nebuchadnezzar who did a bunch of horrible things, he gets a redemption arc. <clears throat> but, um, but still like you have these characters and they do evil things, but they have a purpose for them. They have thoughts behind them and a reason why they're doing this, even if it conflicts with someone else's views, uh, they think that they're in the right or they know that they're doing something wrong, but they're doing it anyways Yeah, because it suits them. Yes, that's the point. What is the wrong? I get it, but uh, I'm going to go back there because um, what is the wrong? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out in, in, in a, in a uh, Shintoistic setting, in, in the Miyazaki films. Is uh, apart from what benefits the group, I fail to see where the evil comes in, uh, or what precisely is 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 wrong and um, not wrong. Should <laughs> I break them down? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've kind of been dancing around it the whole time. Yeah. So, so like, okay, I'll I'll just do the main the the main figureheads of the story is that um san so they all have right and wrong within them right kind of these battling moralities but not not it's not battling inside themselves it's actually more like ashitaka recognizes that they have some good and some bad so like for san specifically he sees that like she cares about the forest she cares about her friends the gods and the animals um but she's also she also wants to kill someone even though it won't solve anything like he recognizes that oh she wants to murder someone because she thinks that that's how that that'll solve everything so like there's like kind of that moral dilemma where she's she's fighting for something that he does agree with but she's going about it in a in a way that is morally questionable. And then Iboshi is also kind of the same thing where, um, and like Ashitaka, that's why it's important for us to watch Ashitaka go through this is because he sees the ironworks and he sees these, these women who are put in positions like where they can earn a living. And um, as it says, like throughout the, when he's meeting all these people, is that Iboshi is taking these girls out of brothels, out of prostitution, and she's giving them work and husbands and giving them a chance at second life because if they were in brothels, then, you, I mean, they kind of insinuate that they would have an awful life. Um, yeah, and considering yeah, this yeah. is based off of Japan, like, it'd be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so she's giving these people, like, another life. And, of course, the lepers, too, that she has taken in when everyone else has thrown them out and she's given them a purpose. She's taught them how to use these skills to defend themselves and everything like that. And even the men have a role within her and within her society. And so yeah. she kind of supports this uh, mentality of equality within, within the um, iron town. Yeah. Um, but he also like when she starts being like oh i'm gonna go kill those beasts and oh i killed um she shot the the first four at the beginning of the film where she takes pride in that 
and she's like oh yeah i, I shot him and yeah, yeah. Uh, it took me a long time to get him but i did it and she also Ooh. points to all the cut trees and then she's like look at all those creatures they're trying to plant trees and you know continue shooting them away so like he sees that like the kindness within her where she's taking in these people but also like the evil within her that's that's inflicting harm upon upon stuff that you know is attacking her or whatever you know kind of that kind of thing and um you could go through the other ones that where they have yeah. like the like their it. own goals and everything the reason i asked though was <laughs> you yeah. see yeah that's true that's true that these these are morally good goals and uh, and then there are and then there are these uh, evil things that goes on but um assuming that there is no more law there is no universal moral law in in the miyazaki philosophy in the shintoist philosophy mm-hmm. why on earth is kindness good why is killing someone bad why is killing a pig bad why is killing a human even more bad you you assume i think it just goes into what is it what is it called there's like a word for it um subjective morality or something like yeah that. yeah it's moral relativism yeah 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 and so that's that's part of the thing that i wanted to ask is if you assume more relativism then it seems to me that miyazaki does mm-hmm. then 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 it's then it becomes hard harder for uh, for us if we understand the philosophy to then go in and say well these are the good things that she does so he does these are the bad things that she does so he does because at the end of the day those are objective terms which don't seem to exist in the philosophy mhm isn't that interesting that there is i think well i'm just saying that that's how the the story portrays it you know yeah yeah because but there's not yeah. necessarily a ruler to put those morals up against like yeah. it's purely just ashitaka in his culture you could say like he's bringing in his culture and imposing it on these in other some senses you could say that because it's ashitaka bringing this culture of well not hating these both both of the sides at the sides coming together mm-hmm. and um and why should that be considered good is is very at least it's it's something to think about if you don't assume a moral law if you don't assume morality as objective and and you go about uh, it in a culturally relative sort of manner in which i guess uh, mizaki does and the philosophy portrays that uh, in shintoism as well it is one to think of why then one would think that these are the good things and these are the bad things Jacob can take this one <laughs> Jake, you got thoughts on that um I'm just trying to think of a way to rephrase your question so I'm not sure if I caught it all You can ask him to just say it again you know you want me to you yeah. want me to rephrase it yeah, that'd be great yeah so um what i what i see in shintoistic philosophy the little that i read of it and in miyazaki's film is is that there is no moral essentialism which i talked about earlier that that you do not have what is called an objective moral 
good or bad. And assuming that, then why should you consider some acts to be good and some acts to be evil? Some acts of Lady Iboshis to be good, the acts of Ashtaka coming here and, like she said, bringing them together is, is, is alien to that culture. So he's bringing something that's new and yet is seen as good. But why should that be seen as good if you do not have well, a higher moral law, an objective mm -hmm. idea of what is good and what is, what's bad? Uh, I'm going to add a, also another layer just to also think about is that it's um, even though Shintoism is very pro uh, prolific within the film, another thing that we have to keep in mind is that Japan is not just Shinto, but also um, Buddhist. Buddhistic. A lot. Like, yeah. yeah. They're very interconnected and sometimes they're blended together, even yeah. if uh, yeah, the ideals don't really match. That's true, but so I think even, that I think that the Buddhism morality might also have some merit. Good point. But even given Buddhism, um, yeah, there is no moral lawgiver there as well. There's no morality. There's no again. There's no moral essentialism as such in Buddhism as well. Yeah. So so because as as we mentioned earlier, because uh, Gautama Buddha w was a person, and um, Siddhartha Gautama. That's that's a name. Uh, so he he was not a god, and uh, it's a great religion. But again, there is this there's this idea of <clears throat> sorry, um, there not being a a moral code as we see in monotheistic religions. Mm -hmm. So and let's leave religion aside for a moment. Let's assume uh, Miyazaki's philosophy. It does seem to permeate through his movies that that moral essentialism is not really the case. It's it's no. culturally relative. What's good and what's bad. But if if it is culturally relative, what's good and what's bad, why are these actions, why are some of the actions that Lady Deboshi does be considered as bad, why are some of the actions that Ashtaka does considered as good, and why... Yeah, I think I can answer that. Yeah, go because on. I think... <sighs> this movie is very heavy on the idea of kami, right? And that philosophy requires that specific hierarchy you meant that um, instead of the hierarchy we have they have the equality theory yeah the egalitarianism yeah yeah, yeah. the egalitarianism yes thank you and i think if it's not aligning with equality then it's objective then it's can be equated as to good or bad and right fit so with it's... the egalitarianism yeah yeah that's that's the thing, because if they're all equal, then how can you justify killing something for something else? Because if equality is the only law, if that is uh, the end-all and the be-all of morality uh, here, uh, of whatever morality that we assume, then um, you can't justify killing anything. You can't justify killing a boar possessed by a demon, because the demon is also equal in an egalitarian philosophy, as is the boar. As is Ashtaka, as is Lady Eboshi, as is the Shishigami. It's interesting too because I think if we assume that everything is equal and then nature is also an equal, how nature functions is an equal thing, and you see nature as like the fox will hunt something or scavenge for something, and then you have a wolf that will hunt something that's natural that's part of the equality 
then you have some things like some idea of something like wars can be equal, naturally equal of equality. It's kind of strange to think of it in that sense instead yeah, of morals, yeah. but in yeah. equals. But I think I can see where they're coming from. I don't, I definitely don't agree with it at all. I, I think it's actually kind of morally reprehensible, but. At the yeah, uh, when push comes to shove, but it doesn't usually because I think the law is yeah. on our hearts. But yeah, which is why, which is why you you always have this push yeah. towards uh, an objective sense. Yeah, I agree with that. But it is it is it, it is yeah. it is one to think of the sort of a difference there between what the philosophy is and uh, what actually comes out because they do mm-hmm. believe in a, something that's actually good and something that's actually evil. Yeah. So yeah, it is it, it is one to think of. And you can what see. You guys, yeah, you can see that on. the equality thing is still kind of derived from that objective morality. Yeah, the law written in our hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. What you think yeah. What do you yeah. think of remythologizing the world? Yeah. Uh, is that token? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I wanted. So that's that's the final part of our discussion, which I just nice. mentioned right now. Remythologizing the world. That's Tolkien. And um, like you mentioned, and um, it it seems to be part of the narrative here as well, because if you remythologize the world, if you if you infuse nature and if you infuse what you see around you as having as being filled in with myths and legends, you might have uh, a uh, a more a sense of, of love towards it than if you just view it purely materialistically. I guess that's part of it. So, what do you guys think of that idea in this film? I think remythologizing the world in a Christian sense is a good idea, but in the context of this film, I, I think it would be difficult because <laughs> it, it's uh, not a Christian concept in the way Miyazaki puts it. Yeah, uh, but uh, I guess Tolkien talks is still some Christian values within that can be extrapolated. Yeah. Well, I think they extrapolate those good ideas from Christianity. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that Miyazaki in general is not just so he's pulling from Japanese culture as a whole, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of uh, I don't want to I don't want to accuse him of not being a practicing Buddhist or Shintoist, but generally speaking, Japan is not really practicing the religion so much as culturally Shinto. Yeah. 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 Which I mean is kind of the ideal of yeah. Shintoism yeah. in general. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah where it's things. more of a just a vibe rather than yeah. a practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think that Miyazaki also just pulls from I mean most of his films are well not most of them. I haven't watched all of them, but a good portion of them are based off of Western stories. Or um, books. Tales of Earth Sea. Yeah. How old and then, um, I mean, obviously, Miyazaki was also influenced by Western stories, uh, similar to, uh, like, you know, Astro Boy was from Bambi and all that. Really? Yeah, no, no idea. I mean, that's why anime started. 
Do I have to explain anime? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Bambi That's influenced right. uh, the birth of anime. So, I mean, I think that um, because our cultures and the world is so connected now, it's nearly impossible to really separate or um, say that there's not an influence from other media when you have access to that media. So I think yeah. that maybe, maybe, so maybe he did have some Christian influences without realizing it. Yeah, maybe or, he, might, he might have had. Yeah, there's yeah. just Christian influences within the culture already. Yeah. But I, but I find the idea fascinating to, to re-mythologize the world because I, I, I think that is necessary. When you think of how materialistic most of society is, even, even back here as well, it, 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 it it's, it's great to, Remythologize the world. It's great to think of the world as not just uh, nature as not just trees and and rocks and just that, but that you know that there's life in them. That like Tolkien mentioned of, of angels and fairies moving around that kind of stuff. So in that sense, I I think there's there's quite a lot to be admired in 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 the in the uh, mythologizing aspect of Miyazaki's film, especially in Mononoke Hime. So yeah, it is. I find it fun, and I find it well. Yeah, I kind of like it because it's uh, the dear god who comes into Shishigami. That's that is an image that will never move away from my mind, and I've never seen that. But when I the first time I saw it, I, I had no idea why, why, what, and and, and it looked. Are we talking about the deer? Yeah, yeah, the yeah it's it's, uh, it's nightcrawler form. Yeah, that that's something to behold. It's like it's like a galaxy inside of him. I don't know. It, yeah. It, Twinkled and stuff. <laughs> so creative. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's very creative. It was very creative, but kind of plagiaristic. Uh oh yeah, oh yeah, because because it drew from Native American stories. Was that? Was that well, right? he got that from uh, another manga, which was inspired by Native American mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even so, well, for creating something like that. Let's not say that Miyazaki was ever completely original, considering that most of his stuff is from. Other somewhere things. else, yeah, from somewhere yeah. else, yeah. yeah, yeah, but but he just but, likes breathing life into stuff, yeah, and he did. Because I don't think any uh, it's yeah, interesting language you use, there, yeah. Yeah. I, like the, I like the wording I used there, he breathed life into it. I'm just saying, yeah. well, I mean, that's the thing with creators and stuff. I mean, I can say this because I don't know if you guys are um, uh, much into the arts or writing stories or anything, but uh, I want to write. A novel. I have a web comic, and you have a web comic. I, I do. I just fin- um, I, I think solo leveling's final two chapters are out for free, so I'm gonna read those on the webtoon. Mine was already finished, but it's also a lot longer. I think it's like oh. said, twenty chapters longer, something like yeah. that. The webtoon kind of finished a little. You understand, right? That like creators. But going back to mine, okay. Uh, what? <laughs> Going back oh, no, to my, I was just, my my point though was that like when you're a creator, when you're a writer or anything, you're bringing a world into existence. You're bringing people into existence, yeah. even though they don't yeah. actually exist. True. Yeah, it's that sub creating, right? The token. If you read on tokens on fairy stories, it's yeah. the sub creator, the sub maker. So you literally mm-hmm. are creating something. Yeah. yeah. And you yep. are evoking belief in, in people as well. So that's that's great. That's yeah. Go on. Oh. 
You didn't. I didn't <laughs> really have anything else to say. I was just saying, like, well, I mean, re-mythologizing and everything. Uh, is that? I mean, maybe we should do it. I think it's just important. Um. Well, like my thing is that uh, I grew up in a sheltered household, so I wasn't allowed to see any of like these Japanese things because, like, my dad just blanket statement thought that it was all bad, um, and all like hentai. Yeah, sure, that stigma was kind of everywhere. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I would call or, that sheltered. Yeah. Well, either way, like, <laughs> very sheltered. And then I was like, um, and I would go behind my dad's back. Well, I mean, I guess I should say that my mom was super laid back. She didn't care. She would watch, like, horror movies and, and stuff mm-hmm. and let us watch with her. Saw Final Destination when I was really little, and it scarred me forever. <laughs> um, but... Um, as far as see, like, so you so you blame your mom for horror and your dad for not letting you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up liking horror later in my life, but at the time I was terrified of it. <laughs> but my dad, um, no, he well, uh, my dad didn't like horror at all, and I didn't like it either. It just so happened that I accidentally walked into the room, okay, when she was watching Final Destination. Um, but it's that, like, he wouldn't like, let me watch, like, read manga, even though I really wanted to. I wanted to buy a, uh, how to draw manga book from the bookstore, but he wouldn't give me money. Or I tried, like, the packets that you get, and then I wanted to get one from the book fair, but then he said I couldn't do that because it was demonic. Um, and he wouldn't let us watch like a bunch of TV shows either, like Pokemon, very innocent stuff. I'm not talking about like, he's not letting us watch horror. I'm saying like, he won't let us watch Ben 10. So- Ben 10 was awesome. Um, ben 10. So like, I grew up in that kind of environment and now I'm like an English major. So I'm reading all this stuff that's like really graphic. Um, and then obviously I got into anime, which is also really graphic. And then I got back into horror, which is also really graphic. Um, but then I started seeing anyone like Sabaton? anyone in Sabaton? Anyone? No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I was I was seeing like that this stuff isn't bad. I I went behind my dad's back and I bought a manga. It was Maximum Ride. That was my first manga, and um, nothing bad was in it. And uh, and then I just started like taking all these stories in and reading a lot of them and realizing that why was he saying that this is bad? Because it's actually not that bad. It's good. Um, and like there are good stuff of it and then there's bad stuff of it. And I could differentiate between the two because my parents raised me right. But um, like uh, the more you go into the rabbit hole, the more you like get good and bad. But I think the most important thing is to identify the good parts of something, the bad parts of something, and when something you shouldn't look at, and then there's stuff that you shouldn't just blanket statement be like, this is bad. Because that's just, that's the environment that I grew up in, where there wasn't any communication as to why or like, why a story is good, why it's bad, or anything. It was just, I'm right, you're wrong, go move on with your life. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think should do. Oh, yeah, go I on. don't think I was sheltered at all, but I do think I wasn't explained a lot of the whys. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I do see the I, I do think children should be explained the whys a lot more often than they are. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think a lot of parents can because I sympathize with them because it's it's hard to really explain the whys. A lot of the times it's yeah, and also it's hard to whys, articulate. The whys are are hard to articulate, and sometimes the whys are too graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, well, that's at least the case. That, I think it just depends on it. on who's explaining, or I mean. I'd like to think that in the future, I would be a good mom to be able to explain stuff and to talk through things and to show like, oh, you know, why do you like this character or that kind of stuff? Um, And even though my mom wasn't as uh, strict with what we were watching and everything, um, and she'd let us watch anything that we wanted, me and my siblings would talk about stuff and talk about what made the story good, what we liked in the characters. And it's actually part of the reason why I went into English was because I enjoyed talking with my siblings so much and specifically about Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. My brother got me into like analyzing it. So, so like uh, I was walking with him one day uh, through a wash in Arizona. And then we were like, uh, we were talking about Fullmetal Alchemist and like what made the characters good and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, man, I really like I, I like analyzing things. I like talking about them. And I only ever did that with my siblings. My parents never explained anything to us or answered why. So we found them for ourselves. And, um, and my sister, she married a really good Christian man. And like they went through uh, apologists and everything like that. And she learned a lot more about um, faith and everything. And that was also another reason why. Uh, in like church and stuff, I was always lukewarm or we didn't, our parents didn't really teach us too much about like why we believe or the evidence for believing. They were just like, we're Christians. And so as grow, as we grew up and stuff and as my sister was learning this stuff, she would tell me. And then I'm like, why didn't I ever learn this stuff? I had so many questions. Like I would ask like the typical things that atheists would ask where they were like oh why why do genesis 1 and genesis 2 conflict with each other or um who did cain marry like i had all these questions and i would ask my mom and she's like i don't know you should ask someone else i'm like okay thanks mom yeah you should ask someone else that's why there's books but uh so Mananake, how do we how are we ending Mananake? Just to just to tie up on Janet's here. I think we uh, have it's, to it's end actually on pretty common. To be yeah, just to tie up on Janet's end, I think it's pretty common because I never had a my parents never really mentioned any of that. Uh, uh, and I was banned from watching most of uh, cartoons. Expect, <laughs> uh, well, no, not Pokemon, but yeah, most of them. And I never watched movies. Uh, none of them. So yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, until I was 15, I never watched any movie, uh, English or my native language stuff. Uh, it, it, it was a Pentecostal household, so you've, uh, <laughs> so mm. it's, it's pretty strict. And, um, and my mommy, my mother, and uh, Amati, my grandma, uh, both of them uh, were, were pretty strict on that. So, yeah, I never got any reasons why, but, you know, I just went with the flow. And then later on, when I wanted to understand why, I, yeah, I thought I'd have to read up on it because there's no way these guys are going to mention. But, yeah. I do sympathize with them because I don't think that they 
could articulate even if they wanted to i mean uh, it's it's hard for them to articulate some of those stuff so yeah i kind of sympathize with them because parents find those things hard to because a lot of the things they've grown up believing and so it's hard for them and the other things uh you know as 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 the faith is certainly uh, a work of the holy spirit inside of you so the while they certainly have faith they they might not necessarily have all the tools to explain that to others so that is part of the reason why uh, yeah they might feel a bit legalistic when all they're doing is trying to inculcate a, a, a religious belief inside of you so uh, i mean i i see the points but yeah i guess i sympathize with parents both of our parents when i think of it because yeah at the end of the day they it might be hard for them to articulate a lot of the things that we find easier because they have access to a lot of the material which they didn't have back in those days yeah mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah so to tie up on remythologizing the world i think both of all of us are in agreement that it's a pretty good thing so long as it's uh well it's it's not Done. It's done with discernment. It's not done crazy. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done with discernment, which I guess is true for most of this. If you do it with discernment, I guess it's it's great mm-hmm. if you, because uh, it certainly is an amazing work of art. There's no, the shishigami is always in my mind, and uh, it's, <laughs> shishigami, it's, yeah. not the nightcrawler. The nightcrawler only appears in nightmares. Uh huh. I don't like that. I don't like the nightcrawler. It's kind of, that's nice. Yeah. Kind of groovy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I I I love this one. Wow, what what an amazing creative work of art. But yeah, all right, so it's uh, it's been awesome chatting with you guys, you Jacob and you Jeanette. And um we've been on about for two hours discussing Mononoke Hime. Uh, again, uh, I'll still come back to the other. Your your visuals yeah, yeah. a little off, but your yeah, audio bloody. is fine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I I I hold on to the belief that she's the hero because I love the monomyth. Uh, I think you think Ashtaka is the hero because you love the no hate guy. And um, I, I, uh, I think you... I think there's a symbiosis between the two. Yeah, and we've got the symbiosis guy. So there we have it. We've got Kimi, we've got Ashtaka, and we've got the symbiosis. All right, you guys, it's been awesome. It's been fun. Let me just and we'll we'll probably do a bit of this again. All right. And...